Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, Season 3, Episode 3, for Saturday the 23rd of January 2021. Coming up this week, my latest non-fiction book has been listed for pre-sale. The date is now set for my first book release of the new year. I've got a double dose of BookBub news for you. I've been testing ads on Twitter once again, and how, after all these years, I finally got myself a six-pack. Yes, six-pack details will be revealed before the end of this week's episode. Let's start, though, with my writing update. And it's been all go with my first book and my first non-fiction book of this year. It's my fourth non-fiction book in total. So this is my author platform book. And if you recall, this has been assembled from an old book that I wrote a couple of years ago. I've moved over all the bits that are still relevant and useful. I've chopped a lot of information out. I've taken all the images out and I've added new extracts, new parts to bring it bang up to date. That book in first draft form is now finished. And we're about uh, 43 and a half thousand words on that now, which is great. That's a uh, very happy with that length. It makes it manageable and not overwhelming. I told you last week that I'd ordered the book cover from Sean Stevens at Flintlock Covers. Sean has now delivered that cover, which is great. Very happy with the cover. He sent me what, what Sean does is he sends you four mock-ups, or he sent me four mock-ups on this occasion, a couple of colour options for the covers. I usually just send a note to my family and get confirmation that I've gone for the right one. We're usually unanimous or virtually unanimous on the best cover to go for. We all went for the same cover in this case, which is great. So Sean delivered the Amazon cover, the ebook cover for me. And then when the book has been edited properly, proofed properly, and is ready to go, I will send Sean the spine width with a number of pages. And it's going to be, I always use the cream page that will give him the spine width and he'll then send me the final paperback cover. So now I've written the book and I know I've got a book there. I've still got lots of work to do in it. I've listed it for pre-sale on Amazon for the 23rd of March and there's no rush for this book and I just I know that I said to Julie Stock about editing. It's going to Julie on the 6th of February. I know Julie needs to keep things fairly flexible as well, as far as editing is concerned. So I set 23rd of March as a date because that's very safe. And it's just a, a date plucked out of the, the air for me to release it. There's no great rush for it, but I did want to put it on pre-release just because I like to do that. And it just means I can start talking about it and I've created a, a genius link for it, um, you know, a promotional link and I popped it on Twitter and it allows me to add it to web pages and things like that. So I do prefer to put things on pre-sale, but also it does just focus my mind on making sure that the thing is ready. It keeps me focused. So I feel very pleased about that. The first draft is finished. I need to read it through. Now what's happening in terms of time sequence is I'm going to read it through and by close of play on Sunday, I am going to make it available. I'm going to share the Google document with listeners to this podcast who volunteered to to read it through for me and give me their comments and their thoughts. And then um, I will, well, that's going to be gone for two weeks. I think it'll be available, yeah, to the 6th of February. That's about two weeks, just short of two weeks, when I've agreed that I'll send it to Julie Stock. And then Julie will get it back to me whenever she gets it back to me. And it will be ready for the 23rd of March for release. As I say, there's no rush with it. I'm not on any kind of, um, you know, time scale with this. It really doesn't matter when it goes. 
It's an additional book as far as I'm concerned. So this is your final call. If you'd like to read the the first draft format well it's first draft i will have read it through if you'd like to contribute to that you, you obviously you get to read a book before it gets released but obviously it's a bit rough at the edges still um, so if you want to go through that that would be great you just need to drop me an email at paul at paulteague.com and you'll need to have gone through those 43 and a half thousand words by 6th of february which is when i need to send it to julie stock so it feels really good to have got the first book of the new year done and dusted I say done and dusted it's the nasty bit done the am I going to be able to construct a book out of this but I think it works really well um I I didn't want to overload it I wanted to make it newbie friendly so it's aimed I guess it's aimed at people who who haven't got an author platform already but I've written it I think that if you had an author platform already if you've got a cited wordpress if you use facebook pages if you use twitter you you uh, and if you use email marketing i've been quite brief on email marketing purposefully I'll, I'll tell you why in a moment but if you if you do any of those things i'm pretty sure that if you read it you would learn something from it even if you've got those things set up in your own author business now the reason i've been brief with the email marketing i have talked about email marketing i've talked about setting up MailerLite and just getting the basics done but what I haven't done is I haven't got into the intricacies of automations and all the fancy things that you can do uh, because this is is very much a beginner's book. But also I want to keep my powder dry because I'm using that to cross promote to the email book that I'm going to work on next. So a couple of years ago, I did a full length, I say a full length book. It was probably 30, 35, maybe 40,000 words with illustrations. It was a guide to email marketing. In that instance, I used MailChimp because MailChimp was what I taught people at the time. So much of this stuff changes in in the online world. And at that time, when I was training, MailChimp was the best thing to train with. Whereas now, I would say to you, just use MailerLite. That's the best thing to use. And I'd tell you to just use MailerLite, not because there's anything wrong with MailChimp, but because MailChimp gets expensive pretty quickly. And I actually think that MailerLite, for it's the most innovative. There's some really neat tricks that you can do with MailerLite. So what I'm going to do with the email marketing book, and I'll move on to this as soon as I've gone through my... I'm going to do exactly the same. I'm going to take the original book that I wrote. I'm going to extract as much of the content from that book as I can for my new book. And then I've got to remove all the MailChimp stuff. I'll probably do a, a chapter maybe on MailChimp to talk about it in general terms. But in terms of the specifics, I'm very much going to be promoting or talking about MailerLite. Now, again, the strategic reason for focusing on MailerLite is I am a, an affiliate for MailerLite. And clearly, I want to use this book to drive people to products that I use and recommend. So in the author platform book, I recommend using SiteGround as the as the hosting site and I will make an affiliate link available for that. So in my non-fiction books, I, I link everything up so that I'm recommending the things that I use and the things that I use, I can make an affiliate income from. And this is how I'm using my non-fiction to, to generate um, additional income. So obviously you can make money from the books, but you could also make money from the affiliate sales. And I've done that with all of my nonfiction books so far. So I don't know how long the email marketing book will take. I would like it to be done by the end of February. We've got uh, we've got a few interruptions coming up. I've booked a hire car for a couple of weeks in the middle of February. What I'm tending to do is 
I've hired a car once already. I'm going to hire a car again so we can have a couple of weeks of quite intensive gallivanting. And so uh, up and down the coastlines and visiting the various bits and pieces that we can go to within this region. So I, I tend to just, rather than run a car all the time, we could walk everywhere where we are. So I just hire a car for gallivanting. I have a fortnight of gallivanting coming up. So uh, we'll, ha we'll have to see how that works out. But I would quite like to have that book written in first draft form by the end of February. That might be too tight. We'll, we'll wait and see. It just depends how much I can salvage from the original book. So that's all going well. You know, it's a good start with non-fiction. I'd like to get my non-fictions up to five in total. So two releases, uh, well, two releases, two books ready by the end of March, if we can. Uh, and those will be my first two books of the year. I am, however, beginning to think about ideas now and interestingly the i'll be talking about this later but the bay is on television now the first episode was aired on itv we're fortunate that we got satellite telly in the house that we're in so i could watch it i have to watch it an hour later so it was 10 till 11 in spain time but i can watch the bay live and actually i found out it's on the itv hub so i can actually watch all the series which we'll be doing in the next couple of days but um i got the first idea for the first walk and bay trilogy from watching the Bay on television because it's set in the same town, a town that I'm very familiar with. And my stories are nothing like the Bay on television, but it's really seeing the locations, all the local locations that just gets my brain whirring. So I know that when I watched the first episode last night on TV, it had given me an idea for my book. It just, you know what it's like. This is why this is why I like to to read books, to watch films, to immerse myself in this, because it just gets the old the brain matter going. Um, so I'm, I'm sure that by the time I've watched a couple of episodes, it will give me all the ideas I need for my own book. And I say they're nothing like The Bay. It's really the locations that are giving me the ideas for the stories. And I will talk more about The Bay in a moment because it relates to my advertising this week. Um, but before I talk about that, I must explain my six-pack headline. Yes, at the age of 55, I finally got myself a six-pack. Now, before anybody swoons too much, what I mean, of course, is a six-pack of books. Yep, sorry to disappoint you. Uh, my double trilogy, my Morecambe Bay six-pack, is released on Monday. So on Thursday of this week, I had to just do the final check, submit the final version. Amazon have four days to check it, but it will go out on sale on Monday. And I've released the six-pack before the three-pack of Morecambe Bay 2, that, that trilogy, because... Um, I want to coincide this with the Bay being out on the telly. And I'll talk to you, as I said, about my Bay adverts in a moment or two. But I wanted to have the I wanted to have the whole omnibus edition of all the episode, you know, all the books I've written so far with Walk and Bay to coincide with the series being out because it's a six part series. Although you can get it all at one sitting on the ITV hub, which is the online sort of Netflix equivalent, if you want, on demand. It is running on the telly live for the next six weeks. And there was a great buzz on Twitter last night. And my aim in releasing the six pack is to give me, you know, a whole omnibus of books that hopefully will be quite attractive to people who watch the Bay on telly. And then I can start to flog those and make the most of those while there's a big buzz about the TV series on the TV. Email marketing is an essential part of any author marketing strategy and MailerLite is the service I prefer when it comes to sending out my emails. 
MailerLite offers a free account of up to 1,000 subscribers that also gives you access to a simple website builder. If you're a new author, that allows you to build the two most important components of your author platform without any technical or financial blocks. If you're more advanced in your self-publishing journey, I particularly like the automations, the landing page options, the advanced targeting features, and the automatic resend facility. Where MailChimp can get expensive very quickly, and ConvertKit is probably more suitable for complex business setups, MailerLite is well-priced as you build your subscribers, as well as boasting many incredible features. You pay nothing extra when you buy through my affiliate link, so to check out the email marketing service that I use and recommend, head over to paulteague.net forward slash MailerLite and get your online marketing off to a great start. In other writing news, Dan Saul contacted me this week and sent me a really good podcast episode, which is called What to Do When Your Facebook Ads Fail. And this is a social media examiner podcast. It's not a podcast I listen to normally, but this was an excellent episode. If you are advertising on Facebook, I highly recommend you give this a listen. Now, I listened to it when Dan sent it to me the other day, but I need, it was so full of information, really, really useful information, that I need to sit down and take notes on it. And having gone through, I learned all my Facebook ads information from Mark Dawson's course, which is, I think, still available on sale at the time I'm recording this. It comes out a couple of times a year. That's where I learned about Facebook ads. And I found that this interview refreshed my knowledge of Facebook ads, but also gave me some interesting things to look at and tweak and some new techniques that I hadn't heard of. I hadn't heard of the lady who was being interviewed on that podcast, but she was really good and she's well worth you know, accessing her free material online. Very, very interested in what she's doing. I really liked her. She came over extremely well. So to save you hunting for that, it's Dan sent me a link to, I think it was Google Podcasts. It's got a really long link that I can't possibly share with you. So what I'll do is I'll put that on this week's show notes on Anchor, and you'll be able to just access that directly. But if you are interested in Facebook ads or you're doing them already, highly recommend that you give that a spin. It's um, only about half an hour, 40 minutes. It actually felt too short to me. I, I could have done with you know, another 20 minutes, half an hour or so. It was so interesting. But uh, yeah, give that a listen if you're using Facebook ads. And when I'm discussing Facebook ads, I'll just give you a quick overview of my Facebook ads at the moment, as we're about, what, we're three weeks into the year as good as. And one of the things, interestingly, I mean, I know this, but it was not a metric that that Facebook automatically puts into your your columns, your information columns. But the, the lady who was um, speaking was talking about, um, you need to check unique um, click-through rate. And I was, and she was saying that you know you're looking for a rate at least between one and two percent was what she was saying, and that's not one of the standard columns that Facebook puts in, and so I went back to my columns and started to put that information in, and I was surprised to find that pretty well all my adverts in my ad sets were getting over one percent. They were all the majority of them were in one and two, and some of them were much higher than that. So. That was a really interesting metric that I've not heard discussed in that detail before that made me go back to some ads I'd switched off and switch them back on again. So that, I found that very interesting. So just to give you a quick overview of my ads. So at the time of recording this, I'm recording this on Thursday evening, January the 21st. So we're literally three weeks into the new year. I have had on my Walker Bay ads, I've had 965 link clicks. 
and I'm getting 12 pence per click on that, which is great. And I've um, spent 112 pounds so far on my Morecambe Bay ads. And on my 12 pack of thrillers, I've had, wait for it, 4,417 link clicks. I'm paying 13 pence per click on those ads and I've spent 592 pounds on those adverts. And all of those adverts currently are in profit. So I'm not spending anywhere near as much as I was spending uh, at the peak of my income time. But I, uh, as I said to you, I am just building up the numbers bit by bit by bit. And if I just give you I should have had this page. I had everything else ready, but I didn't have this page ready. Let me just tell you what my page reads are. Because again, I was, first time I told you about page reads, I was below 10,000. I think the next time I was um, about 10,000 page reads per day. And at the moment, so we're 21 days into the month, my page reads are uh, 290,000. 290,000, well, 290,500 page reads over 21 days. So let me just get my calculator on my phone and see if I can do some live math. So 299. 252 that's what it's come up to now actually so that's just uh sorry a bit of live arithmetic on the show with me trying to work out how to use the calculator on my phone so two, it's, we're just short of 300,000 now um that's what it's leveled out as uh share 21 equals so i'm getting 14,000 page reads a day at the moment so i hope you can see how that's gone up while i've been telling you about the page reads and the the thing is is it's you've got to front load it so You've got to get people working their way through the book. And remember, it's something like a two, two and a half thousand page digital book. You, you have to get people moving through it for those page reads to build. They don't just happen overnight. You don't suddenly get that number of page reads. You, you've got to put the traffic through it. and You've got to have that number of people working through the book. And what happens is those page reads grow. Now, as I said to you, I'm not finding it anywhere near as easy as it was a year ago when we were at the peak of COVID. These ads just seem to be flying. They are still making profit, but they're not flying like they were a year ago. So I'm just being a little bit more cautious with my ads. You've heard what I'm spending there, um, about £200 a week on those 12-pack adverts. They're in profit. As you can see, they're building the page reads, but I'm just being a little bit more cautious with it because it does feel this time around like it's, a, it's harder than it was this time last year. So uh, just to thank you, Dan, for sending on that uh, that podcast link. That's great. And it, it helped me to look at my Facebook ads in a different way. And Dan and I were also chatting about Twitter ads. Dan had been running some Twitter ads. And we had a little chit chat about that um, in, in sort of Twitter messages. And, and I said to Dan, well, what I found with Twitter ads is they're extremely cheap. They drive a lot of traffic, but I didn't see or I couldn't see any results from them. And I think Dan's conclusion was pretty well the same. But having talked to Dan about that uh, and talking about Twitter ads, I thought, actually, with the, with the bay coming on and everybody discussing it now, I, it's very hard for me to target a bay audience on Facebook. There are no audiences there big enough for me to target. So I, I have to target it in a roundabout way. Now, on Twitter, the bay... The, this is the... There's a, I think there's a US version, as far as I know. This is the UK version. I'm able to target a couple of hashtags on Twitter. So hashtag the bay and hashtag yay the bay 
are the two hashtags that go with that TV series. And I'm um, I'm following also the, the the chap who wrote the series and one of the actors who's very active on Twitter. And, and of course, I'm looking at all the tweets and anything else that I could spot, I will. But on Twitter, I can target the hashtags, the bay, hashtag the bay and hashtag yay the bay. And I can hashtag an audience that looks like the actor and the writer of the series. Now, I cannot get that um, level of targeting on Facebook. So I've that time targeting my adverts and I've, I've added a few extras in there as well. Um, but that is the best targeting I can get for this series. And uh, again, let me give you some numbers with my tweets. The, the cost of the tweets and the response to the tweets is excellent. I wish there was a way of directly you know, tracking whether that's bringing any sales in. But um, let, I've, I've got a number of ads going. They use different uh, combinations of hashtags. But basically, the, the, the core text of these ads is I've got um, photographs that my wife and I took of Morecambe, different scenes of Morecambe. You've got a picture of the box set on there. And then it's got the, the graphic that says, um, enjoying the Bay on TV. So I'm specifically trying to find a Bay audience. You know, if, you, if you're interested in a in a drama about Morecambe, you'll be interested in my books about Morecambe. So the text says, can't get enough of hashtag the bay on at ITV hub, which is the TV channel in the UK that they're they're showing on. Start reading the Morecambe Bay trilogy today for just 99p on Amazon Kindle. Psychological thriller set in and around hashtag Morecambe. You won't be able to put it down. Smiley face. Hashtag yay the bay. So pretty well that's what the tweets are and I've got I've got about 10 running I've just got different combos running testing different hashtags and I've, I've got the I've got the um, Amazon link within the tweet and then I've I've taken the Amazon link out of the tweet so that you just click the image to take you to the Amazon page I'm just trying different combinations of things so let me just run you through these ads and just give you a sense of what kind of response that I'm getting so the promoted tweets, um, one of them, 264 impressions, six engagements, 2.3% uh, engagement rate, 114 impressions, one engagement, 0.9% engagement rate. So that's below that magic one. Um, 244 engagements, five, um, sorry, I beg your pardon, impressions that was, 244 impressions, five engagements, 2% engagement rate. Let me just go through the engagement rates because I'm having to scroll up and down the page to see the headings here. A 1.3% engagement rate, 1.9%, 3%, which is a good one, 2.2%, 2.4%, 1.5%, and then 2.1%. Uh, and then in terms of actual engagements, 13, 5, 10, 12, 18, 8, 5, 5, one six so that just gives you an idea of the kind of you know the clicks that i'm getting so uh, overall i'm getting about six link clicks a day uh, my average engagement rate is 1.7 percent and i'm spending five pounds per day on these adverts so to me it's an amount of money that frankly i'm happy to write off 
and then what what I'm doing really is I'm I'm just really monitoring the tweets around the TV series, seeing if there are any hashtags or usernames on Twitter that I can use. But it's you know it's a bit like shots in the dark. I'm just experimenting with it. I think I've put a hundred pound total budget on this, but because I can so hyper focus my adverts, I really feel like I want to spend a bit of money on this, even if it doesn't bring anything back in. I really feel like I want to spend a little bit of money on this because my feeling on Twitter is that if somebody, it only takes one or two people on Twitter to read that and then to start sharing it with the people in the bay and in the in the chat around the book to say oh you know if, if i've read this and i love the series and i got six weeks to do that it feels to me like a, a reasonable thing to try you don't get many opportunities like that it's a bit of marketing opportunism on my part and i'm happy to write off 100 quid you know five pound a day um, doing that and experimenting with that and seeing if i can make this work because i can't really see a better opportunity to make this work for me so i'll, I'll let you know how it goes you know nothing earth shattering to report at the moment uh, but it is getting plenty of engagement it's being seen by plenty of people the only question is 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 that giving me any sales and who knows about that this podcast is supported by affiliate sales of memberships to the alliance of independent authors the professional business membership organization for self-published authors I found that I usually cover the cost of membership by using the special codes given out for free listings and revisions on Ingram Spark. Use a couple of those over the course of a year and your membership is easily paid for. However, Ally is much more than that. You can access expert advice, great support and community, a range of podcasts suitable for authors of all levels, and the amazing online conferences which gather industry titans several times a year in order to share their best tips and tricks. When you purchase your Ally membership through my affiliate link, you pay the same price as normal, but I take a percentage of the sale proceeds, which goes to support my time and effort in producing this podcast. To check out the best essential professional membership service for all indie authors, head over to paulteague.net forward slash Ally. That's A-L-L-I. Carrying on with writing news and marketing news, I mentioned last week that my 12-pack book has been rejected by BookBub again, and I was speculating as to why that might be. It might be because I hadn't got the 3D cover on. I know sometimes they reject on that basis. I know that one of the big reasons for it being rejected is because it's not listed wide. It's in KDP Select at the moment. And Lucy Branch dropped me a line through Twitter the other day and said uh, one of the things it might be, and this was a really good point that I hadn't thought about, uh, is that it might be because generally BookBub are looking for you to be running a discounted price. And my 12-pack, of course, has been running at 99 pence and cents for a couple of months now. It hasn't been reduced in, in price. Now, I said to Lucy in our chat on Twitter, what I do when I list on BookBub, I always list what would be the, the top retail price. Now, when I was listed wide and I was not unable to get the, the reads in KDP Select on my 12-pack, what I did is I listed it at £9.99, $9.99. So I basically listed it at the top rate I can to get 70% of the royalties on it when I was listed wide. So that is my, if you want, my recommended retail price, and that's what I put on BookBub. Now, what I don't know is if BookBub could look at my 12 pack and see for themselves that that hasn't been discounted uh, recently um, so what I've done is I made a little note to myself in my Trello board uh, just about the time before I have to 
I could resubmit that to BookBub to consider just popping up the price for a couple of days, submitting it to BookBub and then popping the price down again, just to see whether that's a factor that will affect it. I really would like to get a BookBub promo on there while it's listed in KDP Select, because I really want to get the page reads from a promo. I don't know why they don't go for it, but my view is that anything's worth a try. So I will look at that, and thanks, Lucy, for raising that, because, um, you know, thank you. A lot of people message me on Twitter and say, have you thought of this, have you thought of that? And often I have, or I haven't really thought it through, and it's just very handy. Uh, you know, you, you probably think of things when I'm talking that, that I don't think of. So it's very handy. Keep those sort of things coming, those thoughts coming, because they're always very useful. And I'm always sort of happy to share the outcomes with you on this podcast. As I said in the headlines at the beginning of this week's show, I've submitted two more books to BookBub this week. First of all, I submitted my Morecambe Bay One box set, and that was rejected. It's in KDP Select, remember. And I also submitted The Secret Bunker One to BookBub. Now that currently is in KDP Select. I am gonna put those, list those wide. My sci-fi is gonna go wide, I think, because I've struggled to make money with it in KDP Select. I, I think I make more, with bookbubs and wide all in on those so i'll you know you know what i'm like fits and starts but it, i'm going to probably put them wide again uh this time controversially having rejected outright they offered me a bookbub on the secret bunker one but they wanted to put it in the horror category and i said no to a bookbub am i the only person on earth who's ever said no to a bookbub but chase chastened by the fact that they haven't offered me one for a while i thought oh what the heck and this time I didn't even submit it in science fiction. I submitted it in horror. And just to spite me, they rejected me. So I've been rejected twice by BookBub in this week. Now, if you're new to this game, don't worry about it. You just have to keep going with BookBubs. I have to say I have more success when I'm listed wide. I think I've only ever had one. And it was the first one I ever did, which was Don't Tell Meg. I'm pretty sure that's right. I'm sure I've only ever had one when I was listed in KDP Select. I keep trying when I'm in KDP Select, but I have very low expectations of being selected for them. So to me, this is just par for the course. I will keep trying. I expect to get rejected, but you never know. One of those days you might just get lucky and be able to pick the page reads up on it. So that's where we are with BookBub. I don't think I have anything in for a little while now. Um, I think the grid will probably be the next one. I'll have to check the dates on that, actually. That must be about due. Usually what I do is I wait for my rejection. And when I get my rejection, I put it in my Trello calendar to diary it for a month's time so that I'm in a constant cycle of putting my books into BookBub. Something I heard on the Alliance of Independent Authors podcast this week, this is a service that I've never heard of, but uh, and I, I can't recommend it or endorse it, but I did want to share it with you because I haven't heard about this yet. So it was on the Alliance of Independent Authors podcast. I do recommend that you listen to those podcasts. They do, um, they do different podcasts, uh, some for beginners, some for advanced users, and they do some interview episodes, but it's well worth subscribing to the Alliance of Independent Authors podcast feed. And in this episode, I can't remember, I think it was Michael Leron and Orna Ross, I think it was on one of their question and answer podcasts, which are extremely interesting. But they mentioned a service called booksirens.com. And booksirens.com, I'd never heard of it. I'd never heard it anywhere. That was the first time I've heard of it. But um, they do uh, book reviews. You can get uh, reviews on your books. And um, the Alliance of Independent Authors they they endorse and recommend certain uh, services and 
they're looking at this service with a view to making them a recommended service. So what I'm saying is it's a legitimate service. They've they've checked it out. Um, but on the front page, it says, get more Amazon and Goodreads reviews from your ARC readers and our community of 15,000 book reviewers and influencers. Now, getting book reviews is a nightmare and it's a particular nightmare if you're just starting out. It, you know, it really is hard work. I can't endorse this because I haven't used it yet, but I, I'm going to look at it. I'm signing up to get the emails. I'm, I'm following them. I'm having a look at what they're up to. You know, all the all the usual bits and pieces connected to them on social media. Can't endorse them, but I would recommend that if you are struggling for reviews, that you that you check it out. So they've basically got a couple of pricing plans. They have um, a free forever pricing plan where you you bring the readers, whatever that means, and then they've got a ten pound per advanced reader copies and two dollars per reader. So that's ten dollars per um, arc and two dollars per reader, and then uh, you know it's 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 quite low cost, is what I'm saying. Now I can't tell you anything about it. I haven't signed up for it yet. I've just had a quick look around, thinking, ooh, that's quite interesting. So um, booksirens.com check it out um it's not a Paul Teague endorsed thing not yet anyway not until I've had a go at it um, and if you want to listen to the last Q&A session on the Alliance of Independent Authors podcast you will hear Orna and Michael discussing it there but to say completely new service to me and as I told you in last week's episode I'm always in listening mode I'm constantly listening out for things I didn't know about and uh, and I check them out and see if they're any good and that's what I recommend that you do now I was listening to Amelia Hayes' Authorpreneur podcast today, and Amelia did a really good podcast episode. Um, she was talking about how you can uh, get interviewed as an author on other people's podcasts, and uh, it was really it was a really practical episode, giving loads of tips for if you are an author and you want to appear on somebody else's podcast and be interviewed, how you should do that and how you should increase your chances of that happening. And when I was listening to Amelia's podcast episode, I thought, I'm sure I did a blog post on that. And, and so I went back to my blog posts that I've saved in my website transfer, and I have. I've got a, a blog post called How to Be the Perfect Author Guest on a Podcast. Now, interestingly, I got the impression reading between the lines when I listened to Amelia's podcast that, like me and any other podcast host, Amelia gets um, emails out from random from people who've never obviously listened to your podcast in their life telling you what a great guest they've got for your podcast. And you can tell these things are mass produced. You can tell that they've never listened to your podcast before because at the moment I'm not accepting guests on my podcast. And um, they they sort of approach it all wrong. I don't know whoever tells them to do it this way because it rubs me up the wrong way when somebody says, uh, I've got a great guest for your podcast. And I always think, well, I'll, be the, I'll decide that. It's my podcast. I'll decide whether they're a great guest or not. And then they proceed to tell me about a guest who'd be useless on my podcast and no interest to me whatsoever. So um, Amelia clearly has also been getting these emails. Uh, every every podcast host does. And um, I think they just must mass produce these or they've got VAs who send these emails out. And they haven't got a chance of landing most of these emails. I don't even know why people do. I don't know what the success rate is. But I, I get the sense that Amelia had been inspired to record their episode in the same way that I was inspired to write my blog post because we were annoyed of getting uh, getting those um you know those pitches from people who quite clearly don't know what we do and quite clearly have never even listened to an episode of our podcast so uh, a media had also been inspired by hearing somebody else on a podcast saying oh as an author a great way 
you know, to get publicity for your book is to appear as a guest on podcasts. Um, and it is a great way. But you've got to get the pitch right and you've got to get the podcast right. You know, you've got to, you've got to do it right. You can't just, it's like gate crashing a party if you just roll up and say, I'd be a great guest for your podcast. You know, have you ever listened? No. Um, you, you've got to get those things right and you've got to approach them right because podcast hosts get loads of pitches from people. And to be honest with you, I think the only time I ever accepted somebody approaching me and it was against my better judgment, but it, I, there was some value. He, he was the only guest I ever had. If you think, I think I did 150 guest interviews on my podcast and he was the only guy who never turned up out of all the ones all the other ones i had arranged myself and approached everybody turned up on time he was the only one was a no show no apology he just ghosted me entirely so there's a lesson in that okay so what i've done um to make this useful for you is i have shared my blog post on this week's show notes over at anchor.com not anchor.com anchor fm anchor.fm fm and I've also shared the link to Amelia's podcast episode. So if you want to get yourself match fit for appearing on somebody's podcast and promoting your book, if you read my posts and you listen to Amelia's uh, podcast episode, we're, we're very overlapped. You know, we're very concurrent in what we're thinking as far as that's concerned. You, you really will get a lot of information from those two resources put together. Okay, so that's it for this week's show. We are heading to, we're heading up the coastline on Monday morning to Benidorm. Um, and I've got an apartment in Benidorm for, I think it's eight days, seven days, eight days. And then I've got another apartment in Alicante booked. So we're going to Benidorm, I think, I think it's seven days, Benidorm for seven days. Uh, and then we're going to come back via Alicante, stay overnight. We want to go and see this um, lovely palm tree park they've got in Alicante and we've worked out we can get there via local bus so we're going to do that on the Tuesday and then we're, we're back in Torrevieja on the Wednesday that that's the plan anyway now this week we've had further restrictions in the Valencia reason, region uh, all the bars and restaurants have closed now until the end of the month and I thought that we might get caught out with the hotels but we didn't there were some early posts while the announcements were being made that the hotels were going to close down, but they're not. And we're in self-catering accommodation. So anyhow, you know, our accommod we could go ahead, we could cook in our accommodation when we're away, but also we could still get deliveries and takeaways in, in Benidorm. But I've seen photographs of Benidorm. You know, the streets are completely quiet at the moment. Oh, the other, the other thing that we were waiting for is they were talking about introducing a curfew uh, from eight o'clock in the evening at the moment curfew it was at midnight it's now from 10 p.m until 6 a.m so as, as old as who need to be at their bid at a reasonable time that doesn't particularly affect us uh, if they'd reduced it to 8 p.m we often go for a walk along the seafront it's lovely everybody promenades along the the seafront uh, at, at night and it's very well lit along there uh, and that's quite a Spanish tradition so it would have stopped us doing that um, on a lovely mild evening but at the moment although we can't eat out um, you know we can get takeaway we can get delivery and we are in apartments rather than hotel rooms uh, that's all going to work out okay and it can go ahead but that's they are beginning to sort of clamp down on us uh, a bit in Spain but it isn't stopping us going about doing things like that at the moment and as I say you know the mask wearing in Spain is excellent so we feel that that's something that we're happy to do so for that reason just to let you know 
I'll be travelling light when we go to Benidorm because we're going to take a bus up to Alicante, then we'll take the tram from Alicante up to Benidorm. Um, so we'll be travelling light. Uh, so next week's podcast it might be one of these ones where I just sit down on the beach and do it into my mobile phone or something like that. And it's probably going to be a bit briefer because I can't see myself getting very much work done next week. But, you know, you never know. You never know. It might rain all week or something like that. It did It did rain. Was it yesterday? It rained all day. It was rainy yesterday. So I might get some work done. But, uh, you know, I'll give you an update in whatever form and it'll be here next Saturday. But uh, just so you know, that's where we are. We are. We're on a little jolly up to Betty Dorman hoping to catch some sun before I speak to you next week. You can check out the show notes and listen to the back catalogue episodes at paulteague.net forward slash podcast. If you want to record a question for me to answer on the show, please head for paulteague.net forward slash question. If you've heard something that's helpful to you in your author business and you'd like to support the show, then you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash paulteague. That's it for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you have a great week of writing. From me, Paul Teague, bye-bye for now.